So check this out. We actually got a return conversation from our homie Jamal that wrote us the week previously about him dating this older, refined woman. Jamal, don't to. I want to share some of his comments. And he wants to first thank us for our advice to him. So I think that we should start with that. He said thank you for sharing the advice, but he did call uh, he did call somebody a, a bastard and a savage in this in this conversation. So, um, Hi, thanks guys. you for thanks for your help the other week. I actually took some of your advice and sat down with Betty during one of our brunches and we talked. I asked her outright what she was looking for, if anything, from our relationship. That I didn't want to read into it, but I wanted to be clear. She said that she enjoys my company a lot and that though she has considered being romantic with me, my age has stopped her. Ironic enough, she said she doesn't have any kids, but if she did, they would be about my age or older. So I asked her what she sees in our relationship and what makes her want to quote unquote hang out with a man that's more than that's more than less than half of her age. She said, ironically, that it's my age and energy that she likes about me. She's been divorced for more than 15 years and that men her age are too slow for her. That she's not looking for a man to nurse into the sunset of his life and she doesn't need the insurance money because she's got her own money. I asked her whether or not this conversation has made things weird and she said no. None of this bothers her either way and that I was already at the top of her he can tune me up list. Now I just know about it. So she's saying that she's sexually attracted to Jamal, which I she's think saying, she's saying. Yeah, she's saying what I said. Yeah, okay. Of course, Jamal. Yeah, she wants to fuck. Of course, we knew that. I said, right. shut the hell up. Uh-huh. We're trying to be respectful here, man. God damn. So, cool so to, to our listeners and to Jamal, and just in case if he shares this with Betty, is she attractive? Her, so her name better not be. Her name better not be Betty. Is her name Betty for real? He put no. He put it in quotes. So I don't think Betty's her name. Okay, he wasn't good. Her name. Oh, so God. I said, so Jamal, is she attractive? He said, yes. She looks good for her age. I said, are you willing to share a picture? He said, no. Last thing I need is to have L being L on her pick. That man is a savage and a beast. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Jamal, you're absolutely right, brother. I am. He he later on then went to proceed. He said he's been talking about the catch for like three episodes, so I know what he would do if he saw. I wasn't. I wasn't going to mention the catch this one. I mean, but but she was honest, and I appreciate she was. She was open and honest with him. Okay, I mean, she has. But again, she's you know older, older women, more honest. Uh, the, the the part that Crush missed is that I asked him if he would provide us with a picture. Right. He's like, no, I'm not providing you with a picture because I don't need L to be L on her pick. 
that man is a savage see, and a bastard. See, see, that's so bad. L's got listeners shook, not wanting to divulge the details because he should be wanting to share that picture. He should be, he should be, he should be like, he should jump at that picture. Share that picture. You know what? Like I said, you can say that, but at the same time, you know, L L is a ruthless motherfucker. He's gonna find, he's gonna find something. But I gave, I gave Jamal a great advice, man, and it worked out for him, bro. Like, I did. I said, have a conversation with her, and be honest. All, and he had a conversation all, with all, her. We all said that, you know. That okay, we we all had a great conversation with her, but I, I still stand. <laughs> you see by how you tried to steal Listen, that shit and pat himself on the back? No, no. I mean, he just he said, "I'm a savage." Fuck. What? <laughs> 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 fuck you, fuck that dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> but I, 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 Jamal, I do have questions. Like, is this is this a black woman? Is this an older? black woman oh yes he it uh, is a black woman i apologize oh, it is a woman okay it, it is, is a black, black woman, woman. Yeah. oh okay oh, oh shit well, well, i thought you established she was a woman before like you said it's a woman no 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 i said a black woman <laughs> no you said it we is do. a woman and i was like what no I, no i said uh, i thought i said it's a black woman my, my bad no, no, i wasn't okay, trying well, to ahead, no bro, i wasn't doing ahead. that to you but bro listen i mean if you have if you have those type of romantic feelings for her and you guys have established this type of communication, which a lot of relationships don't have this type of transparency in their conversation, in their friendships. Even I mean, shit, you having something that folks don't even have in their friendships, and you want to explore the romantic side, you have nothing to lose in this situation, man. You yeah, both yeah. have put your cards I, on the table. I find it honest. I, I find it interesting and very fascinating how honest she was and upfront immediately. Like it was no him. I'm not surprised. No, I'm, I'm, do you spend, I'm you don't spend time with you don't spend time no, with with I'm not surprised. older I'm black not women? Surprised. No, I'm not no surprised. this is this is what I'm. <laughs> some of the most honest I, no, no. <laughs> I think Come the on, older at breakfast. The older black women get the more honest they get. But yes. sometimes I have to remind myself that the age range of women that I know, that they are slowly transitioning into what Betty is. So that open and honest upfront conversation where she didn't him and haul body, she just told him up front. That's that's refreshing. No, you can't oh, you listen. can say that you don't care, but you can't say that you don't know. You know what I mean? And no, she no, just no. laid it all out. I, I agree. I agree. Cause I think I think, but that, that's that seasoning that comes with it. I think when black women get to right around that 40, 42 age range, that transitioning to, listen, I done missed out on some shit. I didn't get what I wanted. I done spent in some relationships and did some shit. I'm free. I'm going to be clear what I want and what I desire why because i'm transitioning into a different period of my life mm -hmm. within you know next couple of years but before i get there and my hips still work i want to be able to you know <laughs> enjoy life a little bit i mean yeah, shit i feel you before i gotta get the, before i get to get the wd-40 out i want to be able to have it makes sense it makes sense <laughs> You gotta be practical about that shit. Yeah, listen, man, I, I listen. I appreciate before, it before you injure yourself. You know, okay? No, what? and you I like, think Jamal should. I think Jamal, that, bro. If you if you feeling her, go for it, bro. Shit, you ain't got shit to lose. Yeah, no bullshit. You want a win win, and she got and she, money, and she she taking care of you already too. Essentially, hey, man. man. I mean, and you and said she's not bad looking. Yeah, yeah. And she's up front with, bro. Listen. 
But then again, Jamal, I, I have to be honest, you didn't want to share the picture, so I can't describe or define what your level of attractiveness means to us. And she has to be. He held the picture back. I, he knew I don't blame you. Go over that I mean, with a fine tooth comb. Either you're, either you're proud or you're not. You know what I'm saying? Listen, are we talking about Angela Bassett? type of older woman fine are we talking about viola davis or are we talking about you know, and are we talking about that level of attractiveness or are we talking about on the other other spectrum of things that are not as attractive as those women and i think that makes a difference oddly enough our conversation did reach some of our eight and a half by 11 listeners and someone sent me a video of a quote-unquote attractive white woman and uh it was basically at our comments that white people don't age as well as no uh, they don't i'm just telling you that someone so hold on somebody a picture of a somebody <laughs> some, hold on he said eight and a half by eleven i you are that's so so somebody sent you a picture of a, a attractive white woman Yes, and this this it was a video, and this woman is in her. She's apparently sixty-one not, years old. It's not. It's it's not the same. Listen, like I told you, I'm, I I see that some people here are listening some, to what we're some saying. Some milk gets sour so when it gets older. Some milk gets <laughs> a little dusty. <laughs> some things get finer as they get older. Some listen. Okay, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. Jamal. If you know, hey, bro, listen, right back. Let us know how y'all do. I mean, if you need somebody to do the the numptials, you know, I am licensed to do weddings, bro. I will come through. Oh, that would be crazy. Oh, the low. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Just a bottle, a bottle of scotch, and I'm there, man. Don't that's worry the about last. It. I think that's the last thing Jamal wants in his life. No. Like, Jamal, you sure about imagine, this shit, bro? Could you imagine this dude writing this like, please send L to come and ordain me? Nigga, shut up! Appreciate your weddings or whatnot. Shit, listen, man, I'm, I'm like, I'll come through, bro. Whatever. Nigga, official. Nigga, official. Like, listen. <laughs> so long as the drinks are free, it'd be alright, bro. Yeah, as long as it's bring... open bar and you got chicken wings. <laughs> bro, sure I'm make sure you have the broom to jump. <laughs> shut up, yeah, bro. Phil, come on, dog. L already said she needed WD forty on her hips. Are you talking about? No, jumping? I said <laughs> get it before she <laughs> needs. You point that out there, not me. I'm yeah, just before. You know what? Yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again. It is the Incredible in the Black podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to covering the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown ass men whose wives don't need WD 40. Because I know mine is listening, so I'm going to make sure I'm clear about that. Nope. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but you know I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of the clergy. Crush, say what's up. What's good, my children? Else, <laughs> what's up? Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum. And if you're checking this out on YouTube, please, we want to take this relationship to the next level. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next video. But L, please tell these good folks how they can become part of the family if they want to do that, man. 
By the way, shout out to the catch wherever you are. I hope you're still listening. Shut we appreciate up. you. You just said you weren't going to mention her. What's going on with you? Come through. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, head on over to our website, www.intheblackpodcast.com. Right hand corner, collect the Become Family tab. You can scroll down. You see, we got all sorts of swag there t shirts, towels, cups toilet paper, whatever you need in this season, you can get it here. But if you want to become a member of the family, you have two options. One of them we would much rather prefer, and that would be the Patreon. You want to know why? Because Patreon, I'm guaranteed to get some money from you every month, regardless. Uh, why are you like just, <laughs> Why are you just like honest, this? Just uh, Patreon, you ain't even counting that $20 that you put in Patreon. It just comes out every month, and we appreciate that, too. We appreciate all of our Patreons. Or if you just want to donate some of your PPP money, you can go ahead and pass <laughs> that. It's also a dollar sign in the black PDCST. <laughs> you take that. You better give it to us before IRS comes and get it. We can wash it for you, send it in swag. <laughs> We can do whatever you need, bro. We can take care of it for you, bro. This dude has no type of self-control. We'll make it work for you, bro. We'll flip that quickly. You need a plug? I know a plug. You need a write-off before the end of the year. On the wrist. On the wrist. On the wrist. On the wrist. He's stupid, stupid. So we we do not have a necessarily have a black box letter for this evening, but I have been getting messages in my inbox about the recent uh, decision, grand jury decision regarding the Elijah McClain and the murder of Elijah McClain. So for those of you and Albury also, I'm sorry, repeat that. Almond Albury. Yes, yes, we can talk, yeah, we can branch that came, into that. that came as down well. to bed, didn't it? Yeah, well, one of, an, I think it's a, an extension of the current indictment. Yeah, the one who covered up, but go ahead, Elijah McClain. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, so for those of you who may not be familiar with it or may have forgotten, Elijah McClain was killed by Aurora Police in 2019 at the ripe age of 23. Three officers and two paramedics. Have been indicted by Colorado by a Colorado grand jury. The Attorney General Phil Weiser, the special prosecutor for the case, announced the 32 count indictment on Wednesday. 32 counts. A grand jury came to this decision on Thursday of last week, though, but they held off on making it public so that they could talk to the McLean family before announcing it to the public. Randy Rodeman. Rodima, excuse me, Randy Rodima, mm, Nathan Woodyard, Jason Rosenblatt, those are the three police officers. Jeremy Cooper and Peter Sukunik are the two paramedics. McLean died after officers convinced these paramedics to administer a sedative with a dose. That was, thank you. With, with a dose that was for someone four times his size. He sat brain dead in the hospital for several days before his family finally decided to take him off life support where he passed on. 
I will not lie to you. I've had this conversation with other folks. Our homie Trent, who's in Colorado, was following this very closely because apparently he's had to do security detail for some of the political figures that are involved in this whole debacle. But we were having this conversation and I told him I didn't believe that the paramedics were going to be charged. And he said he agreed that he didn't believe the paramedics would be charged with anything. But here we are almost two years later and two years later from the incident, excuse me. August 2019. Thank you, sir. And the the paramedics were charged. They were indicted. 32 counts. One of the most fascinating parts about this is that the district attorney, when this whole thing came down, first thing out his mouth was that it was justified. There's nothing to see here. Move along. He continued this premise and this narrative for several months afterwards until there was a national outcry. Outcry. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, he did not apologize. He didn't change the narrative. He just kept quiet. Hmm. It then ultimately, because of the outcry, it went to a special prosecutor. That's why it's on the AG's desk, the attorney general for Colorado's desk. And he took it to a grand jury. And the grand jury said, yeah, there was enough to see here. 32 counts worth. What do you guys think after hearing about the news? Are you, I don't want to say satisfied, but are you content with seeing this move forward and seeing that there's going to be some sort of punishment? Or uh, is this just par for the course at this time after after George Floyd, that mm-hmm. this is what it looks like and we just really have to see if there's actually a conviction? Who wants to go first? Um, no. I don't think there's. Go ahead, Crush. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I definitely, it definitely seems like a major step in the right direction, in terms, especially with the unexpected uh, convictions of the, or indictments of the, uh, of the paramedics involved. Um, the, uh, you know, the amount of outcry needed to, you know, to get this kind of uh, action, uh, I don't believe was uh, should not have been necessary. You know, um, you know, the the facts, you know, could not be, uh, could not be plainer. Um, but you know, seeing uh, these extremely poor examples of leadership and humanity involved, um, you know, having them have to you know eat crow in some ways, somewhat satisfying. But uh, I still would like to reserve judgment on what the actual outcome of this will be. Um, these are made, that's a lot of indictments, um, you know, to the fight past uh, to disprove. Um, so it'll be hard not to think that they will not be convicted on some, on, on somewhere, if not at least half of these counts. Um, but yeah, I will wait and see. Um, and then there's a, and then and there's a host of other things that could occur between now and that's right. Mm. Oh, uh, <clears throat> I, um, I am ecstatic um, for his mother, Shanine McLean. Mm-hmm. It's been a long two-year process uh, just to get to the point of an indictment. Mm. Two years to get this. Uh, that's two of Elijah McLean's birthdays. Uh she still resides in the city. She's still there. She, she has to relive this incident. She's had to deal with it in this capacity for the past two years. 
It's not necessarily surprising to me that the paramedics were indicted also, simply from the standpoint of them injecting the amount of ketamine that they did. There was no clear outside non-legal justification for that sort of treatment. Uh, And I don't want to be that pessimistic guy, yet I will be and say it's an indictment. It's a 32-count indictment. 32 counts is a lot of accounts, a lot of counts, man. This is going to be an incredibly difficult case. Uh, but I'm glad that they're moving forward with it. I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not overly optimistic for convictions across the board. Do I believe that everyone deserves some sort of penalty? Yeah, I do. Go ahead, Crush. No, I, I actually have a question. L, L, do you think the, the term medical neglect will come up? And I is think it, some, it is. In some form? Because, I mean, this is a misapplication of training, correct? Well, see, I think that's when the, the, it's going to get difficult to prove. Even if it's medical neglect, you still have to prove intent. You have to prove whether they intentionally did this to cause harm or did they accidentally give him too much ketamine that's where it gets and listen that's where it's going to get incredibly tricky at i i they start calling instructors in and getting out you yeah, know, textbooks I, and grades and yeah i i listen i i hope uh and again i'm one of those black folks man who when I see these type of incidents and I see the indictments and I see the arrests and I see all these things that to me does not equate justice. And I say that because I'm not sure how to define justice in these situations. So I, I, I don't, you know, whatever these folks got, whatever these people who harmed and took this young brother's life get, is that justice? I don't know. But as the family, I'm allowing, you know, Sister McLean to define what justice is for her and her family. And if this is what she's excited about at the moment. And she's looking, you know, expecting, you know, certain things. I'm supporting the family. But fuck these dudes. This is what these cops do. This is nothing new. Uh, unfortunately, this is what it's like in wartime settings. Yeah, I think it's very interesting, at least to to your later point about what justice looks like. And I battle with that. I battle with that a lot in these circumstances where you see that it's some what should have been a benign interaction with a police officer ultimately ends up in the death of a black brother or sister. Right. So what does justice look like? For many of us, we talk about justice looking like them or the the offender going to jail, throw even throwing them under the jail if that's the case. But nothing, no amount of years that you give that cop or whomever will bring back that loved one. And I and when I think about justice, I think about a hole being filled. And maybe that's not fair, but I think of a hole being filled. Sure. 
And I don't think that there's any amount of time that you can sentence a police officer. And this is not to say that they shouldn't be punished, but I don't think there's any amount of time that could be served that will help to heal that spot that the family has to fill and ultimately probably will never be able to fill. I think it's another thing to think about how we, this incestuous relationship between the district attorney's office and the police department. Because that conversation, just think about how that conversation started, that you not only saw the video evidence of this young man being accosted by the police, assaulted by the police with no probable cause or reasoning, and then still saying, nah, they, they did everything by the book. And not necessarily because you don't see that there's something wrong in what they did, but because you are afraid that you'll jeopardize the relationship between yourself and the police union or the police that you rely on to do your job as an elected official. You need police support to get your position where you are. And for you to allow that to supersede what is supposed to be just, I won't even say justice, but just, just I don't care how many times I see it, it still blows my mind. And he was clear though. Dude, dude was like, <laughs> he felt like there wasn't enough evidence to prove the officers caused Brother McClain's death. Uh, and it was just like, so what, what did you need? And, and that's the question that I, I wish reporters who didn't work for these huge media companies had the balls to ask. What, 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 what did you need to what see to say that it was see that it was justified? Like, but because that's a valid, fair question after you make that statement. Exactly. Uh, and remember, these dudes are elected officials. So then you got to begin to look at the makeup of Adams County, Colorado. Who, who puts who puts these people in office? So it, and all of that plays a huge role in whether or not we get quote unquote justice. Is not simply just making the arrests. Then you got to talk about the jury. Who's going to make up the jury in Adams County, Colorado? Mm-hmm. You know, all these different factors come into play. So we see it and we're like, man, there's no way in fucking hell that these people should not be arrested, sentenced and thrown away. But then you have this whole other white supremacist apparatus that is working behind the scenes. I'm to glad make that sure that this that. shit never takes place, man. I'm glad that you said that because immediately after this was this announcement was made public, you know that the police union came out and did what police unions do. They defended these officers. By extension, they defended the paramedics mm-hmm. and said that they did everything by the book, that there was no reason for them to be indicted, and that it was just essentially an act of God that Elijah McLean died at the hands of these police. Not because you lambasted two paramedics and they're not innocent by any stretch of the no, no, no. So, so he just happened to die. That, that's that's the stance. Or, Man, you want to talk about fighting words? Alleged, you talk about, you talk that's about the alleged words? stance it seems like the union is 
Because it said the way they're making it seem was that these officers did everything that they were supposed to do in this. They loved Africa gang. They loved Africa gang. I think that we would be remiss. I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the caller that brought all of this to the forefront in the first place. Someone saw this young man walking from the store simply because he had a mask on coming from the corner store and thought that it was a necessity for them to call the police. In their calling the police, apparently, they called and told the 911 operator that he does not seem dangerous, but he looks suspicious. He does not seem dangerous, but he looks suspicious. Besides the fact that that information wasn't related to the officers, anytime white people... I want people to understand that when you call the cops to handle any situation, you are essentially calling for deadly force. It doesn't matter what the circumstances You're are. You're weaponizing them. Because the cops are not going to come there and leave their guns behind. So there is the strong possibility, especially when it involves black people and other people of color, that it can go from zero to 60 in the blink of an eye and someone can end up dead. Police don't stop crime. They escalate situations with their their presence. When you read the transcripts and read the 911 calls and what took place, when Brother McLean tells the police, I'm an introvert. Please respect my boundaries. And then that police escalate the situation to the point where then they're using a white supremacist tactic by threatening brother McClain with being sicked with by a dog if no, you don't stop they, we're they, going to get to, put the, they put the spit bag over his head to restrain him to restrain him this is a tw- if you see the size of brother McClain this wasn't a robust heavy set Thick dude. This was a young, skinny brother who was just yeah. Five five people. And they try to try to put so the police department is defending yet trying to slide blame to the paramedics. And the paramedics at some point, honestly, they have, at least according to what I've read, they have the discretion. They can't be lambasted into providing any sort of sedative. They have the discretion to say, no, I'm not giving or we are not giving any sedatives. Talk less of giving him a sedative of four times the dose necessary to sedate him, if you decided to sedate him. I think that medical neglect is going to have to come up, like Phil was talking about earlier. It has to. They have to because they didn't check for any vital signs. They didn't lay hands on McLean until they're putting him in the param into the ambulance. They actually administered this high dose of ketamine without taking his vital signs, without laying hands on him. They diagnosed him from afar with excited delirium is the term that they use. Well, for the family of uh, Elijah, I hope whatever form justice needs to take, I hope that they, I hope that they get it. I don't know. I, I can't imagine being in their shoes. I hope whatever they're looking for that they end up getting it though. 
All right, Shh. L, what's up? Oh, man, transitioning from one heavy topic to another <laughs> heavy topic. Uh, it's just there's a whole lot of heavy shit going on in the world. Well, we know that there, we're in the midst of a pandemic, even for you dumbasses who choose not to wear a mask or get vaccinated. We still are in the midst of a pandemic. People are still getting sick. Some are dying from this pandemic. But in the midst of the pandemic, there has been difficulties for people going to work, maintaining their jobs, which means that they were having a difficult time paying their rent. The CDC decided to step in to create a moratorium. All that shit has gone to hell. There is no moratorium. So after the CDC moratorium expired, your favorite president, Biden, decided to do a lackadaisical half-ass type of eviction moratorium which ultimately was shot down by some more of you guys as favorite people the supreme court so now people are left with no sort kind of eviction protection so literally people across the country up to and probably bigger than 11 million people are in the process or potentially will be threatened or evicted here within the coming days, 11 million people. So here's one of the things that this article said that, that just is not so surprising or news to me because this is a field that I actually work in, but Congress had allocated $45 billion in rental assistance to address these issues that we're talking about. But the money has not been going out with the speed that the tenants or the landlords need. Here's a stat that I actually followed up with my boss today that I found incredibly disturbing. 16 states have apparently spent less than their five, less than 5% of their share. So for instance, I know within Chester County, Pennsylvania, just Chester County, five organizations have gotten $3.5 million. That's just Chester County. So imagine out of all those millions of dollars, we'll just say that's an estimate of, you know, $20 million that only 5% of that 20 million has been disseminated and they gave this money to these states. You want to know how long ago? Seven months ago. February when they initially issued I keep hearing the same reason. Infrastructure. And fraud prevention. No, that's, fraud, that's, fraud prevention, fraud I think prevention this, that's is one of a the, part of it. They always but, scream about, we want to prevent the scammers. We want to stop the scammers. And, and this, nah, I know here nah, in Chester County, that is, is it initially, initially there was incredibly strict guidelines to what they call ERAP funds, Emergency Rental Assistance mm -hmm. Program. Yeah. So it was incredibly strict guidelines that they had put in place. They did. It was some guidelines put in place to specifically prevent fraud. But what they found with that was that was creating a large backlog of applications and people were suffering. So they did begin to cut that out. But a larger part of it is 
these organizations have not been prepared. They were not prepared to handle the influx of people. I know in certain counties here in Pennsylvania, they have up to a thousand people sitting in the queue waiting for Mm. rental assistance just to speak to somebody. A thousand people. Mm. Not even just to get the monies yet. Not even just to get the monies. Now, my question to you guys is this. And I don't think that necessarily we can answer it. And maybe we need to find someone to give us more detail. But I'm not, I'm not 100% on how the federal government could have changed this necessarily because their job essentially is to get these monies and then give them to these states to do the state's work. Right. But I'm looking at it and I'm reading as you're trying to, as we're investigating this, you're seeing some of the horror stories. I'll give you an example. They're talking about part of the biggest hurdle that has caused this issue is the the bureaucracy behind it. Since several states contracted third-party vendors to lead the programs. This is according to the US Today, USA Today. Several states contracted third-party vendors to lead the programs, requiring lengthy procurement processes that delayed the initial rollout of the money. That's one. Computer systems in some states malfunction. Tennessee is one of those places. Antiquated. Antiquated systems. Exactly. Preventing renters from being able to apply. That's two. Others are requiring tenants to provide more documentation than is required by the federal law, which experts say has created unnecessary hurdles to get the money out the door. So you have this happening. And then on top of that, you have what appears to be people, for lack of a better description, gaming the system. Okay, this is an example that comes out of that comes out of Texas. Okay, this is an advocate slash attorney that's been trying to help uh, eviction uh, renters on the facing eviction to avoid eviction. He said there has been confusion from the get go. Unfortunately, he said he recalled a case where he witnessed earlier this year where tenant was denied protections under the moratorium because they had emailed their landlord a link to the form that is required for applicants to sign in order to qualify. So the person completed the form, did not sign it, but completed the form and sent the form to their landlord to say, hey, that they're applying for renter's assurance. He said, rather than the printed form, because a hard copy of the form was never signed, the landlord's lawyer argued the tenant not was not covered by the moratorium and they were evicted. And this type yeah. of thing is happening across the country. And one of the things that so they put in what place do you to think combat that. What do you that... think could have been done in the onset, though? What do you think could have been done in the onset, if anything, that could have stopped some of this foolishness? I think they should have been agencies for should have been more prepared for the incoming the oncoming onslaught. They should have brought in more employees. They should have instituted better training for employees that come in. A lot of these agencies are hiring people from temp agencies to come in to assist in applying. So what happens is you're a temp agency, you're getting paid, but the temp agency is paying you. Not what the agency is paying you. So when a better job comes through, you're going to quit 
you don't have no allegiance to this. You're going to quit leaving a so hole. You in have the people. System. You, got you have a leaving a hole in the system. But the bigger question is always, where does all the money that's going to be left over go? To the next contract. And and, and here, here here's the thing. Here's the reason why I mention this. This is not the first time that the federal government has given states money for rental assistance. This is this is not new. They did the same thing in Pennsylvania. Here last year, they gave us. <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you how many billions of dollars they gave us, but they made the qualifications and the stipulations for people to get the money so incredibly difficult that it was almost seven million dollars left in the pot. They don't have to give that money back to the federal government. Yeah. You don't have to turn that money back in. Yeah, procurement is a lot of fun. Hmm. Remember, man, these rental companies, man, these rent landlords. Oh, oh, oh. The biggest thing about the landlords now is most landlords are not like, oh, crush, have a house, own a property. We're the landlords. We're moving away from that phase. We're moving into the property management phase. That used to be a trend. That was used to be something that only middle class or affluent people are doing. Now the average Joe landlord is having a property management company. So these smaller property management companies are, guess what? Being bought out by who? Bigger property management companies who have the money to do what that gentleman did in Alabama who all ultimately sued that went to the Supreme court that made the eviction moratorium go away. That was a really large property management company that fought against and they won. Yeah. Well, they, they, they ultimately did win. Yeah. They ultimately did win. So I, I don't understand now what the Biden administration's end goal is to, Avoid what is it? I think it's August, uh, October third that it ends October officially. 3rd. This last October third, yeah, that it ends at this last round. And they so, say that they so want to extend it if they need to, but can't. So they won't so, be able to. So what's actually going to happen on October third? Are people? I mean, like the the day of physically the day. Oh wait, wait, wait. Will it be a case where it'll be a bunch of uh, lawyers and landlords flooding the courts? Yes, they're already flooding the courts. Already they're flooding they're the courts, all, bro. They already have these cases lined up. All they need to do is just to be stamped. Because they what you can do as a stamp. landlord, you can you can put a it's it's the way they do it here in Pennsylvania. They have a, a form, uh, such a process called the notice to quit. So a notice to quit is a landlord giving you a notice saying we're quitting this relationship here, and they give you a date on this notice to quit. You can move out on that date. If you don't move out on that date, the landlord will file eviction proceedings that's it, for yeah, you. That's when the sheriffs come. That's when the eviction. That's some- when the sheriffs come in. But the part of them doing the notice to quit is the their justification is they're giving you the tenant the option of not having an eviction on your record because if you have an eviction on your record and you live it's in be hard low for you to find social economic environment, yep. It's it's that oh, game. Is is yeah. folks are going to be evicted on the street? Yeah, yeah. So like, I think they have something similar in Maryland. They'd have to give three three to four months notice before they can effectively be removed so from their home. What do you think this could look like in this first week of October? 
Like people literally just it's gonna be pandemonium. Liter- There's no other way people literally it. being kicked no out of their Yep. Crush the, no listen, man. Currently, but, but they don't sheriffs have- are showing up at people's homes and taking them out of their home with them and their children and putting them in their stuff on the street, hopping back in their vehicle and going to the next destination. If That's I'm, how the process works. I am the mayor yep, of that city. Day. If I'm the mayor of that city, the governor of that state, and I suddenly have a million homeless, homeless, that's, that's working that's homeless, big, hold up. a million working homeless. But hold up, like that's what? the big question. That's the big question. I, and I'll, I'll, I'll like, throw what, it to the both what, of you. What, what, what is that? Are we actually going to see 11 yeah. million people physically removed? No, you probably won't see 11 million, but you, you're going to see a large portion of that 11 million out in the street. Absolutely. But you got to remember, that's the, their major that's cities, the man, question, have though. large homeless cities like already yep. Skid Row, Atlanta, yep. Philly. Yep. I mean, there's thousands of people currently who are homeless in major cities, but they're just tucked off in a corner so no one sees them. But like I said, and that's, we're just gonna add that's to that the number. major question that we got to ask, though. What, how do you ultimately have? thousands upon thousands in the street as phil described working homeless that have no place to go how do you ultimately handle that and because at the end of the day that it's one thing just not to be able to issue the monies right it's another thing when you actually now have people on the street now you can't issue the monies how do you do that in arrears you just have people out on the street what do you do with them you just you just have they the people on the street end up that people on the streets and end up just, committing petty crimes and they get just, arrested and, saying, and they go to jail. And not just people. Yeah, that's, we're, we're, we're talking like, we're talking maybe some medical personnel. We're, we're oh, bro, you're talking about wor- working class people who missed time because of the pandemic, who either could not find daycare or whatever the case may be, who miss some rent payments. And you got to think about it, man. The current state of black folks, specifically in this context, most of us are two missed checks away from being in the same position as some of these people who are about to be evicted. Most of us are living check to check we don't have i can't remember what the data is that most of us don't have what a thousand dollars in about savings 47 said about 47 percent of americans cannot take a 500 uh accident or unplanned uh uh plan uh, yeah, 500 500 yeah so these are going to be people it's a, and again this is the insidious nature of this. So these people are going to go from in one horrible situation into a worse situation because then CYF, Children, Youth, and Services are going to be involved because people are not going to be able to take their kids to school. They're not going to be able to get their shots. Then they're ultimately going to have truancy. Then people are going to get arrested. So now, it, it, And let's not forget these cities, these cities have already removed monies for developing low-income housing or for expanding shelters and all those other things. So. Sure. What the fuck? Yeah, so no, all of this no is homeless just rearing its, uh, where's this rearing its yeah. ugly head? They're like all of these decisions like, now like, rearing like, its like, ugly like the head. Bigger realities of, uh, the, the bigger realities of this are about to come into stark focus. You know, oh, for, brother, for, these, they, for, these, for these major yeah. cities. I mean, if, I, if I'm the mayor, I'm 
I'm about to, I'm about to lose my damn mind. And listen, but you, if well, you don't tenant, these... remember, like Freeway say, when, when the funds is low, the guns are blow. This Looking is, for yeah. that one who oh, make them run that yeah. dough, yo. <laughs> listen, that's, that's yeah. but let's not forget a lot of these, Happy a lot of these liberal, soon. a lot of these liberal politicians. Not even just liberal, a lot of these politicians here, because all of them seem to be playing that game. Are trying to find some weird way to prolong it or weird to tuck way. these folks in. Yeah, because I mean, like I said, you look at people like in, in Denver, they've got a damn homeless explosion going on in Denver. What are they doing? They're not placing monies into people's hands. They're not expanding shelters. Nope. They're not building these child, uh, child facilities. What they're doing is taking abandoned parking lots and making tent cities. Like that's supposed to Intensities. be the resolution for, for some shit. Like, and remember, I, man, none of the money that the states gave to that none of the money that the federal government gave to the states are going directly to the tenants. None of it is going to, it's all, all going, going to, to the other, yep. it's all going to other agencies who are funneling to the landlords, but it, it's, it's such a horrible system, man. It's, it's, it's so horrible and it's heartbreaking because Getting if you've never been evicted, man. If you get that damn eviction notice on your door, there is no worse no feeling, feeling like there's no than feeling. to know that at some point in time that your little piece of security, no matter how raggedy it may be, was a foul is going to be is going to be taken away from you and you will have nothing. <clears throat> Crush, what do we have next, man? Well, coincidentally, uh, a bit of good news or rather interesting news. Um, I uh, recently ran across uh, some news from, uh, coincidentally, uh, a high school alum of mine. Uh, shout out to Tracy Wilkins. Uh, she did a report on the fact that uh, HBCUs are experiencing a near record surge in, in enrollment. Um, while some traditional universities are experiencing declines, many historical black colleges are having an enrollment boom. Um, and uh, this actually is happening at one of my alma maters as well at Bowie State University. Um, Go Bulldogs! Yeah, Bowie State is, is uh, expects an eight percent increase overall in enrollment this fall. And I do remember going to Bowie State recently and being stunned at the new upgrades and and the uh, new buildings and new programs going on. Uh, Howard University has uh, had more than a fifteen percent enrollment increase last year and during uh, during the pandemic. And uh, coincidentally, uh, it's uh, it's motivated by a lot of new freshmen interested in uh, in uh, political justice and and uh, law and you know, doing a lot of law majors and political science majors, um, and uh, getting other advanced and other other degrees and other advanced programs. Um, and of course, they're being motivated by the uh, by the successes of other alums like uh, Kamala Harris and uh, of course Chadwick Boseman was a big motivator for that as well. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, yeah, and also uh, HBCUs have been recipients of many uh, rather large donations, uh, but we stake at $25 million alone um, after being historically underfunded by the uh, state of Maryland. Um, so, you know, I do find this uh, very, uh, very, you know, very interesting on many levels, you know, because I remember the, uh, I'll never forget the surge of HBCUs back in the 90s, um, partially uh, propelled by, uh, by, uh, by uh, by, the, by, uh, by Bill Cosby and the Different World franchise, uh, coincidentally, 
Um, and you know, we remember all the hype we had on the on the around the hoodies and everything, and and all the pride we took. And uh, you know, but what's going on now? It's a little different now. You know, it seems like people are motivated. It seems like these these young people are motivated on, on a different level uh, joining HBCU. So I do also have some more critical questions on the on the makeup of this new enrollment as well. Um, but um, it is interesting that HBCUs are receiving this kind of attention financially. Um, but uh, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Al. <laughs> I listen, man. I, I... <laughs> you about to you, are you about to be pessimist again, man? No, 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 no. You just can't help yourself. I'm not going to do it. I think it's it's not surprising that uh, HBCUs are seeing a boom in enrollment. This is very similar to what we saw during the height uh, or towards the end of the civil rights movement. There was a great number of black students who were looking to go to HBCUs to reconnect with their blackness. And not only that, but to be in, quote unquote, safe spaces. So it's not surprising. I think it's fascinating uh, that HBCUs have not gotten the bulk of our uh admissions from our community uh, i've always found that as a strange phenomenon uh but i i mean i have some theories of why that's the way it is but it's not surprising i think Del it's no delving on that delving well on that. I, I think for for one we've always we've been conditioned and not only conditioned but we've seen the tangible effects that white folks have always had the resources and the ability to create in educational environments where their children were able to get a different type of education and honestly a better education than black students got so it made sense that after brown versus board of education which many of us argued against that black folks would try to get in those white spaces not because we wanted to be near white folks is never i believe was about desiring to be near whiteness i think that we were trying to get the same level of resources or the same benefits from resources as they got and i think that's the same thing that we do now we have a such a high and large affinity for all these white ass ivy league schools that every time you turn around they have some sort of racial incident or some sort of connection to white supremacy that it blows my mind that we don't send our kids to the black version of these Ivy League schools, the the Howards, the Spellmans, all these. But at the same time, send your kids to schools to get education. Don't send your kids to these schools to become to get radicalized. Because again, a lot of these black HBC, a lot of these HBCUs are not doing that. But again, the fact that we don't go to them a lot or more than we do, I find fascinating. I also find disturbing, particularly our black athletes. Imagine transition away from that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and remember there was a time where you can look at NFL and NBA and you had countless HBCU athletes in there who were stars. Yep. You looking at Grandma me in the powerhouse to pull the pool folks for football all for decades. You, for decades, you don't see it anymore. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's you know, I plan to actually when I pursue my masters is to find an HBCU to get my master's degree from, uh, because I, I want to get that experience from being at an HBCU. Hmm. I can dig it. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was interesting as I started to look into this was the ties 
two things that are very, that I thought was fascinating. One, as, especially within the past four years or five years, I should say, as hate crimes have begun to increase in these smaller cities, the number of enrollment for HBCUs has also increased. And there was a study actually done that was published in June of this year that showed from 1994 to 2018 as African-Americans and people of color have seen an increase in hate crimes within their small cities and suburbs, that the number of enrollments for HBCUs has been on a steady increase. I thought that was very fascinating. Interesting. The second part is that the number of white or non-black enrollees at HBCUs has also begun to take an increase. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because what they've realized is that they're getting oh. equal to or adequate education, secondary education, but at a cheaper cost. So yep. they'll forego going to University of Maryland and go to Towson, excuse me, not Towson. They'll go to Morgan or they'll Morgan go to State. Bowie State. Yeah. Or they'll yeah. go to Morgan State or they'll go to Bowie yeah. State because they know yeah. that they're going to get the education they're looking for in their field and at a cheaper cost than it would cost for them to go to University of Maryland or to go to Johns Hopkins or to go to mm -hmm. one of these other local big, big uh, uh, mm -hmm. colleges and universities. Right. So I think that's one of the things that's being left out of this argument. What is the percentage as these enrollments are going up? What is the percentage of non-black enrollees that are? That was my primary question, you know, about about this surge, because you know, you know, not that I did not have, you know, because my college experience was all black, hands mm -hmm. down. Bowie State to Howard, you know, what I'm saying no, no, no. As a matter of fact, from high school to through college and undergrads, been all black. Only time that I kind of deviated was in an elementary school, uh, but um, but yeah, I did find it curious sometimes when I did have you know, not that I objected, but I did realize what bothered me instinctively about seeing them, you know, um, in my in my my freshman class, in my freshman year, my sophomore year, I'm like, you know, I think I know a guy that should have had your spot. Yep, you know, I think I know a guy that should have had your spot. And I think your parents can afford Maryland. They're just being cheap. Or they're forgetting that they're white. And that they, can, they can ask the state to send their white child to their state school. Interesting. They can ask. They can ask the state. Again, my parents can ask the state to send my Jamaican Guyanese ass to their school. But they can ask. For me, when I went to Bowie, it wasn't even like that. We didn't. I didn't see any white kids during the daytime. It wasn't until I started like really <laughs> like, no shit. It wasn't until I started really like, working up and I did did class in yeah. the evenings, man. I would go to school at night and it was nothing but folks that were like they were like in their late 20s, early 30s or those folks trying to get back into school. A large portion of them were white. And I thought it was and, and, I thought it was fascinating. And, those, and remember, those night school courses weren't cheaper to us. No, no. But, but for no. them. I think it's also yeah, fascinating it's how it's welcoming how welcome we are to white folks onto black campuses. Like But white black people okay. have been historically always far more welcome. No, 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 no. And I just find that fascinating because when we go to predominantly white campuses, 
There's yes. always a pushback. Always a pushback. We let's yeah. not forget that what was it three, four years ago now that there was a uh a racial stabbing at University of Maryland on the campus. Dude oh, yeah. uh stabbed a young man, he was a army reservist, I forget the brother's name, stabbed yeah. him there. Towson. There was a there was an organization created out Towson to essentially protect white students. <laughs> and the school apparently said they couldn't do anything because it was a club that they had to bl- anyway. But they created they, an organization that helped to help patrol patrol Towson campus to make sure the students were safe. <laughs> anyway, I, like I said, all we're always was on the damn organization should have been smacked in the damn face. Yeah, no bullshit. But I think what it's you sometimes you an organization to protect white folks. If you don't get the sit the fuck down somewhere, it's all. But it's always and what's interesting to me is that the inclusion of white people in black spaces ultimately always ends up being to our detriment. Either they end up always. poisoning the well, like with the, always. in terms of the information that we disseminate amongst ourselves, always. or someone, or in terms of just proximity, people getting hurt. Yeah, like it's, always. it's 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 disturbing. It's disturbing simply because far too often you get lambasted by the American public at large and some black people about how love and understanding and dialogue is what's going to rectify the relationship between black and white people. I tell you, one of the most heartbreaking stories is the story of the black woman a couple years ago who went to the sleepover with the white women and she was killed at the sleepover. Yeah, her son was a member of the football team or they were something, but she went to a sleep, an overnight sleepover with some white woman and she was killed at this sleepover. And it turned into this thing where it was accidental. It was, listen, it was so incredibly creepy and I'm so angry at myself that I can't remember the sister's name, but I use that as an, I use that as an example that. I don't think it's wise for black folks to put ourselves in those type of situations. I just don't think it, 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 it typically doesn't turn out well for us. And I know being murdered might be the extreme, the extreme right? I get it. But damn it, bruh, if you're the only one, you probably shouldn't be the only one. <sighs> I think one of the biggest yeah. challenges that these HBCUs have, because I think at the end of 2019, there was already a steady increase in terms of the number of uh, enrollees. And of course, after George Floyd, that thing really blew up. The, one of the bigger mm-hmm. questions was really whether or not these HBCUs, because of their underfunding, would be able to handle the influx of new enrollees. Do you think that this is a turning point, a renaissance, if you will, for black education in America? Or do you think it's just a blip on see. blip on the timeline? We shall see. We'll see, man. I, I, you don't have high hopes? Neither one of you have high hopes? Nah, I, I, I don't. I, I mean, don't. I, I, mean no. I do. I, I remember the dire straits that Howard was in in the uh, early 2000s and the, in the late 90s. You know, some of that prestige was getting a little rusty around the edges. 
And the numbers weren't looking good on the graduation front. Um, the alumni weren't being as loyal. Um, and I can, I can personally attest to that. Yeah. They just had a thing there recently <laughs> you know, where a bunch yeah. of students decided that they were uh, going on, what, they moved out of the dorm, they were doing some sort of strike or protest because of the, the arrangement, the living arrangement. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, and, the, you know, some of the nastier things were just definitely around the leadership at Howard for many years. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, uh, you know, and only recently have they begun to kind of uh, shake some of that off. You know, and um, sure. but you know, you know the the glory days of what Howard had in terms of reputation and cultural cachet. You know, um, it's definitely not the same. You know, they definitely to me they're definitely still in a rebuilding phase. You know, and one of the biggest indicators is still definitely their homecoming, but definitely the lack of the uh, the lack of uh, certain programs and and, and and movements they were proud to be a part of at one time in the late 90s. Not a part and of they're anymore. like, nah, yeah. they're, they're part of, they ain't part of shit no more. And, now, yeah. and after, so they, now they have to rebuild all these relationships with all these different cultural institution, institutions because at one point they said, uh, we want to be this, we're trying to catch up. But, well, know, I, mean, I, I will say this before. Went to, big, went to a big change too. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. What I will say before we before we close this out, I find it interesting also that still the federal government has not released uh, the documented monies. Remember, they took HBCU funding mm -hmm. and placed it under the purview of the federal government, the White House, instead of and away from the Department of Education. Who did that? Agent Orange did that. And those monies, I think only once again, like to, with the way we were talking about the eviction notice monies. I think it's only about between six and seven percent of those monies that were allocated initially have been released to these HBCUs too. So still, we are as much as we are getting an influx of monies, we are still far, far, far underfunded in comparison to other institutions. So, all right, right about now is the time when we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. L, what's up? Man, my shit is the same. Uh... COVID and all of its fucking variants is running rampant. Uh, I, I I know that people want to always highlight the recovery. I'm tired of hearing you say this, L. Yeah, listen, fuck y'all. Wear a mask. Uh, <laughs> get the vaccine. Uh, if you even if you choose not to get the vaccine, stay your ass at home. Stay away from Facts. other people. Uh, and I under. <laughs> What, whatever we can discuss that you guys can reach me at, at Elgin Bailey on all platforms if you want to have this discussion. But my point is, the vaccine is still out here harming and killing people, largely harming and killing black folks. Take care of yourself, do what you need to do to not only keep you safe, but your fucking community safe. Stop bullshitting. I think it's funny that I posted it on our social media not too long ago that there are some people that are so averse to taking the vaccine. Um, but have the chosen to take horse a worms, horse, is, horse dewormer, dewormer, livestock dewormer instead. Instead of oh, yeah, taking Joe, the vaccine, Joe Rogan took it. Joe Rogan took it. Yeah, and, and Joe Rogan is one of the. Yeah, he's got COVID, and he's luckily enough he's not one of the folks that have the hundreds of folks at the, well tens of folks at this point that have actually literally shitted themselves to death because they took this damn livestock dewormer 
instead of just saying I'm going to fucking get the damn vaccine, just get the punch and call it a day. And what what makes it even more frustrating for me is that you find people that not only don't want to get the vaccine. Okay, that's debatable, arguable. I don't agree, but mm-hmm. you don't want to get the vaccine. But there's the same people that also don't want to fucking put on a mask too. It's like, dude, you can't have it fucking yeah. both ways. Yeah. Either put on a mask and stay your distance away from folks or go get the fucking vaccine. But you find yeah. these folks are saying, well, taking the vaccine is a, uh, 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 being forced to take the vaccine is uh, a strike against their liberties. Wearing a mask is a strike against your liberties. Dude, like that's a social contract that we all signed is to do each other some sort of service so that you don't endanger somebody else. It's one of the fucking reasons why we stop at stop signs when we're fucking driving. People are just stupid, man. Um, Florida's like, talking about we're not going to Florida like the 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 district the 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 district um intendant for the state of Florida schools is actually ass. punishing teachers and other folks from different cities who are in. Who are play? Yep. Who are placing mandates in their schools, or placing mandates in their schools for kids to wear masks? You know, mind you, this this is the same state that will have all of these fucking rules and regulations in the student uh, code of conduct book that would tell kids how to dress, when to dress a certain way, and so on. But putting a mask on is a step too far. Come on, my guy! Like I don't get it. It it blows my mind, man. It blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess I can only, uh, you know, that, that that's been on my mind too. You know, as far as uh, my taking my clothes out for the day, pretty much that. I want everyone who uh, who is uh, hesitant about your vaccine. My first, you know, question to you is: Have you spoken to your doctor? Yes or no. You have a doctor, correct? We ain't talking about Dr. Umar. We're talking about an yeah, actual fucking your, doctor. Your no, primary no. care provider that you're paying what's, what's insurance on. Dr. Habibi or Hadidi or whatever that nigga's name was. The folks yeah, yeah. Have you talking to your family doctor about your situation? Yes or no? Because you can't go by you know, go by the people who went to, to, to school for it. You're just a cook. You're just a waitress. You're just a secretary. Um, yes. Yeah. All right. Go to the people who were trained for it. All right. Go to the black people who were trained for it. The brilliant black people that worked on this vaccine. Okay. Believe me. I'm well. We all, all of us here are well aware, more than well aware of medical racism. But there's also something else we need to become familiar with, and we keep forgetting: public health. This is about this is a public health issue. This is not about your personal preference in life. This is a personal preference is, is, is anchovies or pepperoni. <laughs> All right, that's a personal preference, yo. Yo, that was great. You know, you know what I mean? Bill crush murder. She wrote preferring, <laughs> preferring not to vaccinate is you know it, it's something you're you're putting your family through. Because I'm sorry, I'm gonna call him out. I'm gonna call. I, I, no, no, I'm not gonna say his name. A certain '90s rapper gotta have the nerve to get on the gram and in his around our age and start whining about how he felt bullied by his family into getting the shot. Somebody should smack bullied his face too, by his family, right. bro. If I was that family, L. If that was your, if that was your 
son saying my dad bullied me into getting boy I I was I'm like if I was that man's wife, like she has every right to put the skillet to his skull. I bullied you (laughs) into staying alive, nigga. Yo, what is wrong with Crush? Yo, that's that's, that's double homicide right there, Crush. Like, yo. <laughs> you you have murdered. That was one of the most embarrassing things I had ever seen from my generation. You know, like so many. We're not going to talk, talk, talk about your boy Buster. No, man. He's embarrassing too. He's just as embarrassing. I'm sorry. He's just as embarrassing. He's an embarrassment to my generation. He's an embarrassment to my culture. I'm seeing it right. Buster Rhymes is an embarrassment to my culture. I was highly disappointed to hear that dude say that shit. And you have a mask in your damn album cover. Because you kept pushing Not surprised, man. After after listening to his last album. My thing is, bro, like, clearly you don't know how these rich people work. Because you have money, but you must not be rich. Because rich people got the shot, nigga. Why you know what I'm saying? Like you, 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 you must have just have money. You know what I mean? Not wealth. The wealthy niggas got the shot, nigga. That's one of the jokes that be getting me. I don't want this to go off on some damn vaccine thing or whatever, but this is shit that blows me. The same motherfuckers are like politicians and Congress and all that other stuff. They're talking this shit and talking about, oh, you don't have to be forced to. State should mandate. All of them motherfuckers got the shot. Every last all one. of them got the shot. They say right now, I think there's literally only like 60 members, between 60 and 70 members of the total body of the United States Congress. I'm talking about both House of Representatives and Senate that do not have the shot. Yeah. Your your favorite bastard is telling you not to get the shot. And he's already got the shot. Anyway, uh, what's up for me this week? Uh man, I think we should we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Ahmaud Arbery and how that indictment is coming down. I think was it it's not the district attorney. Nah, it's the the not the district attorney, but she's being charged with interfering with the case. Uh, because of her relationship between her and the uh I forget what the and the uh um, Yeah. And the sh- in the original shooter, I think that it's interesting that it's taking this long to find the evidence to pull her into. It is the, trial. It's the former Georgia district attorney. Thank you, thank you, thank yep. you, Jackie I, I Johnson. It's very interesting. My question is: outside of the evidence that's been gathered, what, how, why did it take so long to finally pull her in? Because this. The information that they're using now as the reasoning for her to be to be indicted has been public as far as we know, as far as I know, mm-hmm. since the beginning, that there was always this awkward, and that's putting it mildly, relationship between her and the defendant at this point. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I not sure. I don't get it, but I don't get it. But, but she was she was stopping once, the flow of the, everything when she was. She was. Yeah. She was. Anyway, once again, that incestuous, and he's not, he wasn't even a police officer at the time, but once again, that incestuous relationship between the district attorney and police officers or the police union. Anyway. All right. L, where can folks find you if they want to find you, man? And I'm everywhere at Elgin Bailey, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. <clears throat> Come through. You going, you going to roast them? Because I know that's what your mom is here to roast them. Nice plays. 
Nah, man. I'm good. <laughs> I'll be nice Crush, to him. where can people... Yeah, whatever. Man. Since, yeah, since, you're right. since I'm you not. now. Since you now. Like you. You dumbass. What the hell are you coming here for? Man, you know, you can find me on Instagram as usual. I'm at the Arms Crush with a K. Or SP Methods. Uh, you know, you can check out some new tracks I posted up. And some, uh, hopefully, some new stuff by the top of the year. No doubt. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys once again for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us, and we appreciate it. Yeah. Remember to follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook. Twitter and on Instagram. Check out our past episodes at www.intheblackpodcast.com and make sure you go check us out on our Patreon. You'll never regret it. Uh, but as always, Come until through. next time, informed, intelligent, in the black. In the black. Peace. Peace, everybody. In the black, bro. Hands down, one of the best podcasts I ever heard, though. Word. Bretchens, what up? I don't bread a black up here, Bretchen. Listen. Uh. In the black podcast, like your lad, it's all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, don't talk trash. Yeah. switch fast if you ain't raw, then yeah. you're whack. Informed, intelligent elements, always relevant. Not for the weak and delicate. This is eloquent excellence. We are setting the precedence. Rest of them are excrement. In the black podcast, the truth like the testament. Don't know, black up here, bro. Man, a specialist. Know what the podcast broadcast. Y'all mess with this. Like, said they my cheap. Who no do it so effortless? I listen them, I learn when them listen them, I benefit Reporting current events, everything that is prevalent This is so exquisite, a scientific experiment Giving you the news, not views without evidence Telling you the truth, sentiments without embellishments Relax, these are the facts, bringing them to your residence In your house or your tenement, listen to hear intelligence Body filled with melanin power, that's so unsettling Bright in the stars, bringing some light back to the desolate in the black podcast, think your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, they punt up. Who no fi watch? Black up in your chat, me can't flop. In the black podcast, think your lad is all facts. You don't like that, then fall back. In the black podcast, we outlast. The whole of them can, none of them no can trust. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's how we are doing to the big old. Yeah. Mr. In the black himself. What up, DJ Henry? It's your boy, Black Pink. I'm out. No!